This call is being recorded. Radio show. I am your host, Jenna Capra. Tonight is June the 11th, 2019. Uh, there's a lot of things going on in the world, and I am here tonight to uh, share some of the more concerning things that I think we need to be paying attention to. So, hopefully, this message is reaching you in well times, and if not, Hopefully, some of this information will be of some help to you or someone you know. Uh, just to get this started, we are doing a continuation. Excuse me. We, I am doing a continuation tonight because uh, Brother Rise, Brother Rise has some personal issues that he have to uh, take care of, and he will not be joining us as far as I know tonight. So we'll be we'll keep him in our prayers and. And, you know, send some warm vibrations his way. But like, as I stated, tonight we will be going over repetitiveness. When something is repeated enough, it becomes true. We will be continuing that uh, conversation. And what I'm going to do, I'm just going to continue to add on. Uh, one of the first stories that I want to get into is... Um, I can't remember where I found this from, but uh, it comes from BuzzFeed News. BuzzFeed.news. Uh, photos of travelers coming in and out of the U.S. have been hacked and stolen. Uh, a Border Patrol database of travelers of traveler photos and license plates images was quote-unquote compromised by a miraculous cyber attack. Now, before I continue on with this article, uh, those of you who know of us, uh, Real Life the Radio Show, I, you should be uh, familiar with Brother Dave from Tando. And we've had lots of discussions on the uh, surveillance that's coming to America. Well, I shouldn't say coming to America, but that is here. And some people complain about it and get it uh, taken away out of their neighborhoods from time to time. But for the most part, um, we are living under a, uh, we are living under the idea. I'm not even going to say the government, but we're living under the idea that as long as you can keep me from, from being attacked, preferably from a, a Muslim, because that's what they have given the face of terror to in this country, then we'll give up our rights. Uh, that's the consensus. And for a lot of people, uh, they will say they don't feel that way, yet they don't take their time and energy to uh, fight back against whatever type of surveillance they're putting up in their neighborhoods. So, you know, we tend to pay attention to what people do and not what they say. Continuing on with the article, a U.S. Customs and Border, Border Protection subcontractor suffered a data breach 
that's uh, exposed the photos of tens of thousands of travelers coming in and out of the United States. The agency revealed Monday in what it described as a miraculous cyber attack, quote unquote. The database of identifying travel photos and license plate images had been transferred to a CBP subcontractor network without the federal agency's authorization or knowledge, CBP explained. The subcontractor's network was then hacked through uh, CBP said its own systems had not been compromised. So from what I gathered from that is that their system wasn't compromised, even though their system is uh, where the data was taken from. The compromised photos were taken of travelers and vehicles coming in and out of the United States through Pacific lanes at a sick, sick single port of entry over one and a half months period. Fewer than 100,000 people had their information compromised by the attack, according to law enforcement officials. No other identifying information was included with the photos, and no passport or other traveler document photos were compromised, the official said. Images of airline passengers from the air entry and exit process were also not involved. The cyber attack comes amid the ongoing rollout of CBP's biometric entry exit system quote unquote the government initiative to biometrically verify the identities of all travelers crossing u.s borders as buzzfeed news reported earlier this year cbp is scrambling to implement the initiative with the goal of using facial recognition technology on quote 100 percent of all international passengers unquote including american citizens in the top 20 u.s airports by 2021 and it's doing so in the in the absence of proper vetting regulatory safeguards and what privacy advocates say is in defense of the law buzzfeed news found in may the register uh the register reported that perceptacles excuse me precepts the makers of the vehicle license plate readers used by the u.s government and cities to identify the track identify and track citizens was hacked and its files were dumped online cbp did not respond to the questions from buzzfeed news asking whether the breach the u.s agency announced today in the uh precipitals i'm sorry i'm uh chopping that up it's it's uh p-e-r-c-e-p T-I-C-S. That's how you spell it. Uh, and so they were saying they, they they wasn't for sure if the U.S. agency announced that the hacks was related to each other. So the rest of that article is in uh, BTR News. Hopefully, uh, matter of fact, let me stop right here. Uh, everyone uh, should be uh, logged in to BTR News where you could talk with like-minded individuals uh, share information and also learn information we learn from each other and you always say that you want to support black businesses well we have one that's delivering information almost on a daily basis if not more than one time a day and to my knowledge shout out scatter reed um the number one podcast distributor in the world so join that 24 dollars a month excuse me, $24 a year, $2 a month for your uh, subscription to help 
keep these type of programs going uh like i said i was gonna stop right there so it's a little bit more to that uh to that article but everyone needs to check that out uh let's go on to the next to the next one and i just want to <laughs> i should have started out with this because this is funny but it's not funny so i'm gonna let you hear this and then i will give you my thoughts on it in the car is there marijuana in the car sir uh, yeah there's a little bit in the car is there marijuana in the car sir uh, yeah there's a little bit okay then did you buy it here at one of these local shops no i brought it down from denver oh you brought the marijuana from colorado yeah okay okay sit tight oh, man, tripping, tripping. so uh here in california we do things a little different okay uh just present whatever you have in the car show it to me if it's not an absurd amount like i said You'll be free to go, okay? Okay. So let me just see what marijuana you have in the car. Okay. Can you open up the bag for me, please, sir? Okay. 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 Uh, I'm going to need you right now to go ahead and throw that out the window. Throw it out the window, sir. Trust me. This is a lot easier this way, okay? Okay. And I want you to sign right here where the X is, okay? You're not getting a speeding ticket today, but you are getting a ticket. For, this for is a littering? ticket for littering. Yes, for littering, sir. What the fuck, bro? Come on. Littering? That this weed was trash. Now, I'm sorry about that language, but uh, if you didn't hear that, this was a, uh, I'm not sure if this was a skit because people put things up on Facebook all the time. And uh, there has been a, an increasingly large amount of, uh, I guess you would say, I guess I'm gonna call it brutality porn. And what I guess I might have just made that up. But what I mean when I say brutality porn is people like to put up things to where we they watch they watch meaning uh other ethnicities or even us black people watch each other get beat up, uh shot and murdered. And they watch that a lot of times. And then you have people who have parodies of things like this. Like I said, I don't know if this is real or not, but I thought it was relevant. I thought it was, I thought it was very important and relevant to what we're discussing right now. Uh, repetitiveness. We see these things all the time, so we click on them. It's clickbait. We, uh, me and Brother Rise talked about this a, a couple shows back with uh, the attention economy. So people are putting these things up, making skits, and it, it was hilarious when I first seen it. But we get so ingrained into it because we see these things happen. We know the outcome before we even see it. So we are intentionally watching to see if this uh, police stop ends brutally. Now, I know a lot of y'all are going to say that you don't feel that way. And that's not why you uh, watch it. And that's not why you share it either. But the truth is if you didn't want to see that you would never have a chance to even see the video because you wouldn't click it in the first place. Now, the second part to that, uh, brutality porn that I'm uh, talking about. And of course, you know, y'all, uh, if you think I'm talking crazy, of course, uh, by all means, give me, let me know because this is just my perspective and I'm that I'm sharing with y'all, but the phone number is 719 718-284-5271. That number again is 719-284-5271. And the PIN is 70637. And you let me know what you think. 
but to continue, the second part is about the uh, he he gave him a ticket for littering. Now, a couple of things that I uh, paid attention to. He told him that he wasn't going to uh, give him a ticket. I mean, he wasn't going to give him a speeding ticket. But he gave him a ticket for uh, for littering because he said that his uh, reefer was trash. Now, this is in uh, Colorado, and the man was supposedly been coming from uh, from Nevada. And that's why I said that I don't know if this is a parody or, or what have you, because it's illegal to take marijuana, which is still classified as a drug across state lines. So when you're watching these things, you have to pay attention because it's so many of us get caught up seeing things on the Internet, trying to repeat it and wind up getting ourselves hurt. These are small little things that you can pay attention to that you get bombarded with every day, hour on the hour, and if if not more. And sometimes people try those things, whether it's bringing marijuana across the uh, state lines, uh, arguing with the police, and we're going to get into an article about that, and pretending to know what your rights are. Because what happens is, is that although most slave catchers don't know the law, they know when you don't know the law. And these things tend to get us uh, battered and bruised. So even though that did end that in, in a jokingly way, these type of uh, propaganda uh, short films is what I'm calling them. They're propaganda to make you feel a certain way and to relax you into believing that everything is okay when in actuality we know nothing's okay. No matter how great we have it right now here in America, there are dangerous things ahead and currently dangerous things that we are facing right now. But to continue on, let's go to the next article and uh, shout out to Brother Scotty Reed. He put a post up on BTR Community, man, and it was, uh, man, it was, it was bittersweet. So let's get into that article real quick. And this article comes from the antimedia.com. This is one of the, uh, this is one of those alternative uh, media outlets that all of us should be paying attention to. They give us information before the mainstream media who a lot of us get our information from put out. So the, uh, this article goes as such. New Senate bill would legalize marijuana nationwide and erase possession charges. Now, hold on, let me click in here so I can. Hold up, my computer acting crazy. Okay, here we are. All right. Uh, TMU. I'm not even sure. That's the man unleashed. That's who uh that's who writ this. This is what the guy or the woman calls themselves their their call, I guess. A group of Democrats are hoping that they can roll back the war on drugs with a new federal marijuana legalization bill, dubbed the Marijuana Justice Act of 2019. The bill will see marijuana finally removed from a federal list of controlled substances, legalizing the plant on a nationwide level and removing a range of obstacles from vendors and proprietors across the United States. 
before I go any further, that last that those last few words are, I believe, the most important to remove a range of obstacles from vendors and proprietors across the United States, meaning this is solely for the people who are in business. They have lobbied to make sure that they could get their refund, not just in the, the state or the county that they're in. They got to get this stuff across the uh, nation, if not further. Continuing on, the bill would also expunge the criminal records of anyone who had been charged with possession while also calling for anyone currently incarcerated for the offense to petition for an immediate resentencing. Those convicted under probation laws would also be provided job training and resources under the act. The bill was introduced by New Jersey Democrat Sen Senator and presidential hopeful Cory Booker and Democratic California Representative Barbara Lee and Ro Kana. Booker's pres presidential competitors, Senator Bernie Sanders and Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren also have co-sponsored the bill. Supporters of the bill have cited the disproportionate impact of cannabis prohibitionist laws on historically oppressed nationalities and communities across the United States, leading to the prosecution and jailing of largely nonviolent cannabis users. In her statement on the bill published by the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, Lee said, in addition to incentivizing states to legalize marijuana, the Marijuana Justice Act seeks to repair some of the damage marijuana prohibition has done to this country's most vulnerable communities. For those communities that have been economically and socially disenfranchised by overcriminalization and clinical incarceration, this legislation provides funding to programs focused on youth development, citizen reentry, job training, health education, and funding for community resources such as public libraries and community centers. If y'all don't mind, I would like to read that last sentence one more time. For the communities that have been economically and socially disenfranchised by the overcriminalization and clinical incarceration, this legislation provides funding to programs focused on youth development, citizen reentry, job training, health education, and funding for community resources such as public libraries and community centers. Booker similarly <laughs> derailed the war on drugs, tweeting, the failed war on drugs has really been a war on people, disproportionately criminalizing poor people, people of color, and people with mental illnesses. I'm reintroducing the Marijuana Justice Act to begin reversing our failed federal drug policies. Booker has long enjoyed a record of fighting to reform marijuana laws, having introduced a version of the Marijuana Justice Act in 2017. He has promised that federal legalization will be a major focus of his of his campaign, along with criminal justice reform, which he has remarked, meaning changing our drug laws, ending prohibition against marijuana. So uh, according According to studies by the American Civil Liberties Union, 
there were over 8 million marijuana-related offenses in the U.S. between 2001 and 2010, 88% which were of possession. The ACLU also found that, that Black people are 3.7 times more likely to be arrested for cannabis possession than white people, despite both groups using the plant at similar rates. In 96, California became the first state to legalize cannabis for medical use, and over 30 states have since done the same. 10 states, along with Washington, D.C., have freed the, the herb amongst, in, amongst entirely allowing adults over 21 to partake in the recreational use of cannabis. However, cannabis remains illegal under U.S. federal law. A 2018 report by the, by the Drug Policy Alliance found that even in states where marijuana had been legalized, people of color still faced a far greater rate of arrests on marijuana possession charges than their white counterparts. A recent poll by the Pew Research Center also found that 62% of its residents, including 74% of millennials, favor an end to prohibition of, of cannabis. In a statement, normal political director Justin Schreckel held the Marijuana Justice Act coming the ongoing enforcement of cannabis pro prohibition financially burdens taxpayers, encroaches upon civil liberties, and dangerous disrespects for the law, <clears throat> excuse me, implements legitimate scientific research into the plant's medical properties and disproportionately disproportionately impacts communities of color. Communities of color have disproportionately suffered for decades because of our racist enforcement of marijuana laws and that and that must be addressed in the age of legalization through policies such as the Marijuana Justice Act. It is time for federal lawmakers to acknowledge this reality. It is time to stop ceding control of the marijuana market to untaxed criminal enterprises. Hmm and for lawmakers to amend federal law in a manner that comports with available science, public opinion, and the rapidly changing cultural status of cannabis. Man, so once again, you can find this. Shout out to Brother Scotty once again for uh, for hitting that up for us. Uh, appreciate that. Like I said, it's a, it's a lot of things that's going on in that article, uh, namely uh, funds and shares is was uh just driving the way uh we know every just if you're new to this uh radio show but you're familiar with black talk radio network we know that lobbying is the way you get laws uh put in place we know that and for whatever reason once excuse me not once let me not let me not even say that there has rarely been any time when we have come together to lobby together sometimes in the, in our uh in our counties and what have you but not too many times as one group i'm not sure if we could do that but we there are enough like-minded peoples to make this happen uh something that brother scotty has uh imprinted on my brain and i i try to live by that but but what they have done is they have got these uh all of these different vendors who are lobbying to have this uh, taken off because of their profits that will be that will dramatically increase once this goes legal throughout the nation. 
I, I am still uh, weary about them taking away all of the possession charges, considering that is the uh, the biggest population of incarcerated people comes from uh, nonviolent medical, uh, not medical, but nonviolent marijuana charges. So it's kind of hard for me to believe that they would just release all of those people, considering with 44 allowing the uh allowing the prisons to continue to uh profit slavery who's gonna fill those beds once they release all of those non-violent marijuana uh convicts these are questions we we need to ask not saying that this is bad it's just you can't just let these things slide by without notice because like the article said, it's very important for the vendors and the proprietors of marijuana throughout the uh, nation and also to get the money out of the hands of the criminals on the street. So that was a great article. Uh, that was a great article, Brother Scotty. I appreciate that. Uh, continuing on, let's let's continue on with these articles. Man, there's so many. Here's another. Uh, I asked yeah. Dave about this on uh, Tando. Uh, greetings, I, I heard you. Uh, who was that? This is Ross, man. I'm checking in because I'm I'm listening before I get ready to for um tomorrow. But I I heard, and thanks to Scotty for that article, because it is uh, very well written and it gives a nice perspective on a lot of things to pay attention to. Now, it's interesting because I posted this um, this documentary on BTR Community, and it's called uh, Who is Behind Black Music, Quote-Unquote Culture. And it's one of the best-made videos that really shows you the masterminds, the uh, Jewish, white Jewish masterminds behind the entire record industry. And they take you from Frankie Lyman, who was Michael Jackson before Michael Jackson. Um, they dealt with Michael Jackson and they dealt with hip hop specifically. And at one point in the documentary, they had, uh, these record label executives that were all Jewish and they said they had a secret meeting. And in the meeting, this was during, um, the time frame of, uh, the heyday of public enemy. And when you had the golden age of hip hop where there was no one particular genre that was outclassed everything else, it was basically a smorgasbord of what you, whatever different types of styles of hip hop you liked, they were available. And what they said was in the meeting that they were told by, by another high ranking Jewish executive that had direct connections to the prison industrial complex, the privatization of prison of the prison industrial complex. And the fact that, they, he, they said in the meeting they were told that they're building private prisons across the country and they need to fill those beds. This is their exact words. And they said that um, he said that everyone in the room's jaw dropped when they heard this. But what was told to them was they need to fill those beds and hip hop was too positive. They needed to infuse gangster rap and rap, you know, the rap that we got familiar with after the golden age in order to create a culture that would fill those beds. So they literally exposed the fact that in closed door meetings, and they were also offered stock in these companies themselves in the meeting. And, they, and the guy said, everyone in the room, he said he took a glance at the room, everybody's jaw dropped because they asked, like, what about 
the people who are going to be disproportionately affected by this, they did not care. They said that we are building these private prisons. They are directly tied to these corporations and the people who own the stock in these corporations. You yourself can own stock in them, but we need to create a black culture, quote, unquote, that would fill those beds. Thus, the induction of gangster rap and they inter- introduced um, different artists that actually went through that process of being told that they had to make music that was negative. Now, if you fast forward that to recent, the recent history of hip-hop, the last 20 years, you'll find that because during the golden age, the only drug that was really propagated was maybe beer, um, liquor, and weed. That was it. There was no reference to, you know, using Coke or using any of them other hard drugs. If you used anything else, you were, you were pretty much um, completely uh, outcasted as far as just the musical aspect. No one was promoting that. But in the last 20 years, it was lean, which is basically liquid heroin that tastes like candy, and a whole bunch of other drugs, p- pills and things like that, that are being promoted now. So it sounds to me like they needed to fill those beds again and this time, instead of just talking about gangster rap, they had to add the drug culture, which um, also has supplanted marijuana. So in rap, you're hearing almost very little reference to marijuana and a whole lot of reference to Xanax and um, Vicodin and all the other pills that they pop in and, of course, lean. So I just wanted to toss that out there because there's a direct tie because I was actually a producer, hip-hop producer and artist during that same time frame in New York City. So when I was watching the documentary, it just totally resonated because my group went through similar things when we were shopping for a deal back then. So I just wanted to put that out there and say there's a direct tie to what became of hip hop that everyone loved and what it was created to do was create unity and exactly where we're at right now. So right now they're propagating drug use and they're propagating homosexuality. That's, those are the two new things that hip hop is just completely focused on in a way that it, that it wasn't before. And prior to that, it was the gangsterism and we'll see what else they come up with for these rappers to rap about that's going to be destructive to uh, black and other non-white people. So with that, I'll mute myself and continue to listen, my brother. Great program. All right. Thank you for that input. But before I continue, um, Brother Scotty, greetings. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing the best I can, just hanging back in the cut, listening. Um, but Ross um, just brought the images fresh to my mind. Earlier today, I was on Facebook um, posting an announcement about some new programming coming to Black Talk Radio. And so I got distracted and watched a video about Michael uh, Jordan and he had the flu or whatnot. And so anyway, it was just a little short, short video about one of those playoff games. So then I was getting ready to leave, but the next video that was up was the evolution of gangster rap from 1984 to 2019, I think they said. And I sat there for about five minutes. It started in 84, um, the video. They're taking clips from the different videos associated with, you know, the rap songs and what have you. But one thing I kept noticing, especially concerning NWA and Dr. Dre and all of them, a lot of those videos were shot showing them in prison uniforms, in in in, in prison and in, in jails. And yeah, them, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Them them jackets, the type of uh, the type of toboggans they used to be wearing, the flip flops. Yeah, 
Some of them were actually, the videos were shot like they was behind bars or in a prison, and they had on prison uniforms and what have you. And then the other, you know, criminality, just normalizing uh, that behavior. So Ross made me think of that when, when he spoke on, you know, hip-hop and, and the prison industrial complex. Thanks. I'll hang back in the cut. Uh, well, well, before you go there, Scotty, um, since you're here and since I uh, took that article uh, from one of your posts, what was your motivation for sharing that with us? Um, just information. I try to share constructive um, information about stuff I need. I think that uh, the community I'd be aware of. You know, no no specific reason, but, you know, it, it just had what I felt like some useful information. Yes, yes, it, it had some great information. I, I wanted to ask you, and I was going to, uh, <laughs> I was going to try to contact you, but I was like, I'm, since I'm going to do it on the show, I just uh, placed this question out to the community. But since you're here, I had made that statement about, uh, about them wanting to capitalize off of the uh off of the money being the uh the people who are gonna be become vendors and what have you. Do how do I place this question? What is your uh thoughts on them talking about releasing all of these uh convicted uh sometimes felons and other misdemeanors that are only nonviolent drug offenders and what do you think as far as what I was saying and with the uh prison industrial complex needing those beds being filled and now they take talking about taking those uh people out of those beds well obviously i feel oh, it goes it should go without saying that anybody getting out of prison especially for something that's not a crime i'm gonna be honest with you if you murdered somebody or you raped somebody or you robbed somebody in the community i i ain't got much sympathy for you now i was reading about this this couple that robbed the bank, um, you know, very, very poor, what have you. I ain't, I got sympathy for them. They still committed a crime, but I got sympathy for them because they didn't harm somebody in the community. And so anytime, you know, someone gets out of prison, whether they was wrongfully convicted, whether they shouldn't have been there in the first place because of the drug war, that's a reason to celebrate. That's a victory. Uh, whether it's one or one thousand or a hundred thousand that get out, that that is a victory in my mind in, in terms of fighting against modern day slavery and human trafficking. Um, you know, legalizing it takes the tool away from the slave catchers the, to stop you, frisk you, and and put you in jail. And ultimately, the goal is to put you into prison. Now, what are they going to do to replace it? Well, I hope they don't. I hope they can't do nothing. Um, That's the next question, too. Yeah, I hope they don't do anything. Um, but they'll probably target somebody else, another, you know, they'll probably target sex workers and, and you know, some other victimless crime or something like that to, to make up those beds. But, you know, during the Obama administration, um, the prison industry took a tremendous hit when he said that they were no longer going to do federal contracts with private prison. Their stock almost went to zero. They were almost put out of business. They yeah. would have been put out of business if he'd have done it just maybe uh, um, at the beginning of the year in January instead of waiting till November. Uh, uh, you know, when he about to leave office, he should have been done that. They would have been out of business. 
So what I am seeing, though, right now with this administration is they targeting uh, vulnerable people who are seeking asylum in the United States and fleeing violence and instability uh, in their home countries because largely because of U.S. foreign policy and what they've done to their country. So I saw an article. I may have posted it in BTR community, um, but I saw an article where now they're saying that these farmers with with chump, you know, rounding up all these undocumented people, um, that the farmers are short on help, okay? Because they've been using all of this undocumented labor. And so what the prisons are doing now, what the farmers are doing now is contracting with the prisons to get farm labor. So that's what I see was uh, was happening. In terms of replacing the beds, it's going to be empty because of nonviolent um, drug offenders are, are being let out. I, I don't know, and I don't care, and I hope they can't fill them. Uh, I hope they can either. I, just with the history, it's, it's almost like it's automatic. Whenever they have uh, taken one thing away, they've placed something else uh, to replace it. Uh, like they say in basketball, you know. Uh, we have a lot more political power now. We have our own, while we did have black radio, they took that away. We create recreated it on the internet. So we have means of communication and organizing against these things that our ancestors did not have. We're, I don't want to say we're smarter, but we're more literate, you know, and we can read and, and, and find out and pay attention to what may be coming down the pike and head it off at the pass, as they say. So, you know, you always got to be watchful, but I just think that, you know, uh, today, um, that we have tools that our ancestors did not have, that, that we should be employing to head them off at the past when they try something crooked. Well, uh, Scotty, you know, you know, one of the things, and you said this earlier in that post you was talking about, one of those tools that we have is the groundwork that those uh, that our ancestors laid for us. So that's, we're on top of that already. We just have to have the uh, the understanding and the wisdom to use what they left behind. Uh, but before, <laughs> <coughs> excuse me, and, and Jenna, let me say this though, because there's some misconception or misinformation or disinformation, whatever term you choose to use, that the system is legalized in Canada. No, the system ain't done none of this. Okay, if you were following this trend from the start, you will know that in every state, this was a ballot initiative that citizens got on the ballot and the voters voted to approve it. So the system didn't do this. Why would the system do that to itself and lose all that money? Okay, right. so there's misinformation out there. Oh, the system, the government is legalizing weed because whatever you know, conspiracy theory that person may have. But if you were paying attention and you got any knowledge on the background of this movement to legalize, you would know that these were voter initiatives. I think it's one state that's poised to become, it might be New Jersey. It, it, I could be incorrect. It could be another state. But it's only one state that's about to legalize it that's doing it through 
the legislature, meaning the the elected representatives and the governor. But all the other ones, every state that has legalized up to this point, those were voter ballot initiatives. So the system didn't do it. Well, you talking about uh, Cory Booker, and that was in uh, that was in one of those articles where he done it in uh, 2017, trying to uh, same act. He just trying to make it nationwide. I mean, it's it's the same. It's the same. It's a co-op, and, and you're right. It's a co-op. The same way uh, Roz last week was talking about WIC. Uh, black Panthers put this program together to feed to feed these little these little black children who wasn't eating breakfast. And it was co-opted by the government. Most people don't like you didn't say it. Uh, a lot of people don't say it, you know, but overall in our community, most of us didn't know that's where it come from. They would just think it was a government benefit. So it, it's a co-op just like rap uh, country, everything else. Uh, speaking of country, <laughs> I was checking out a video in uh, of red pill and blue pill. I don't know if, Y'all check them out, but they was talking about Lil Nas X and uh, the hatred from the country uh, music scene from this young man with his uh, catchy little song, uh, Old Town Road. Well, with the uh, with the harsh backlash that they gave the country music scene, another uh, another uh, black country singer has popped up. And I can't think of what his name is. And he has a country, uh, country. He has a catchy little song too. It's it's actually pretty dope. Both of them. I have children, so they enjoy it, and and I enjoy watching them enjoy it. Uh, don't judge me. But what I heard on that uh, on that little program is that one of the men on the program stated, "You say that's not country, that's the blues they singing." And it made me, it, it took my mind way back to my granddaddy listening to the blues. And that's exactly what it was. And then I learned the history from how to, uh, how they were stealing, you know, they were stealing all of the different type of uh, the songs and everything and just stole the whole genre of music and created it on its own. And now we have the same thing happening with hip hop. Once again, like, just like with everything else, whether we're talking about graffiti, uh, DJing, uh, rapping, breaking, what have you. So that's that was just a little interesting side note. Uh, just popped in my head. Sorry about that. Continuing, continuing on, I wanted to go to this next article, and this next article comes from uh, LATimes.com. Gun owners stockpile ammo before a new California background check law begins. California ammo buyers are making a run on the gun shops ahead of the new state law, which on July the 1st will require buyers of bullets to show identification and undergo a background check to screen out felons and people with illegal firearms. In a state with the toughest gun laws in the nation, Governor Galvin Newsom and, and other leaders see restricting ammunition sales as a necessary step in in reducing gun tragedies excuse me newsom included restrictions on bullets in proposition 63 his statewide initiative that was approved by voters in 2016 and that helped raise his profile for his uh, run for governor from san Bernardino to ventra to poway too many californians 
have already died from gun violence. Newsom said last week, I champion Proposition 63 because it's beyond time that we take common sense action such as these to keep deadly ammo out of the wrong hands and protect our communities. The new law closes a loophole in existing rules aimed at reducing illegal weapons, supporters say, while some gun owners say it goes too far in infringing on the rights of law-abiding citizens. Kim Rowe, an Olympic gold medalist shooter from El Monte, says she uses thousands of rounds each week to keep up her skill with daily practice. The law approved in 2016 not, on, not only creates more red tape for purchases, but also requires them to buy ammo face-to-face from a licensed dealer hampering orders by the internet. These regulations essentially prevent me from being able to stay qualified and not only hurt my skill, but jeopardize the United States represent, representation at the Olympic Games, she said. Road is a plaintiff in a lawsuit backed by the National Rifle Association that is pressing the courts to block the requirement on grounds it is unconstitutional. I know the next court hearing is months away. Meanwhile, the <clears throat> excuse me. Meanwhile, the State Department of Justice is scrambling to develop its procedures for the screening process, with the possibility that the new system will not be finalized before the start of the month. Even with a possibility, a possible delay, gun owners have been stockpiling ammunition. OC guns, OC gun stores owner uh, Scott Boat Boatkin said sales of ammunition have doubled at his Lake Forest front, excuse me, at his Lake Forest store in recent weeks. People are gearing up for it, he said. He said of the new law. They are buying a lot. They don't like it. It's just another typical California deterrent to make things tougher for gun owners. The Sacramento area firm, Ammo Depot, has leased a, a freeway billboard warning the new law and urging, get your ammo now. Now, I'm not going to, uh, it's still quite a bit of this. And you can find this, like we always tell you, in BTR community under uh, Real Life the Radio Show, the group. It just continues to go through the different uh, privacy, uh, different ways that they are uh, infringing on your privacy. And that is quite true. I have uh, I have mixed feelings on this because with everything that's going on, we tend to, uh, like I was just stating, we give all of our rights away for what we perceive as uh, for what we perceive as safety from the government. And just for some odd reason, I tend to believe that there's something more there. Uh, we can't see it right now, but I suggest, uh, and my suggestions are, are no way nothing that you should follow as far as uh, some importance. This is something that I feel is important because I am a, uh, I am a gun, gun owner, and whatever happens in California tends to spread across the nation. And although it will hamper a lot of people, I don't see it hampering people who... Uh, who are getting these guns illegally because they're not the ones that's purchasing these, this ammo in the first place. Now, see, I know that because I used to work in those type of circles and it didn't, it was never a smart thing for us to buy our own guns and ammunition at that time dealing in the street. 
and I know a lot of things have changed since I have uh, grown up and started kind of uh, understanding how the world works. But I'm quite sure after this Facebook scare where all of those people was uh, putting all of the business out on Facebook and getting arrested, I think it may have gotten back to the time that I was growing up to where you try to keep everything private. So I'm not sure if that will help as far as the crime, but it's something interesting to keep an eye on coming to a state near you. Continuing on. Uh, <clears throat> matter of fact, before we do that, uh, you are listening to Real Life, the radio show. I am your host, Jenna Kepra. We are going to go into this quick break real quick, and we'll be back in about one to two minutes. Oh. If my music will play. the radio show uh, if you have a question to comment by all means give us a, give us a call that number hold up what i just do my apologies that number is hey brother scotty can you not hear me yeah i hear you i'm on okay. the phone yeah, it seemed like a, I don't know. It seemed like it kicked me off, but okay. That number is 719-284-5271. That number again is 719-284-5271. And the pin is 7637. The pin again is 7637. 
1-800-227-6637. If you have a question or comment, by all means, give us a call. Let us know what's on your mind. And if you have something that's uh, dealing with repetitiveness that you know constantly hurts us, whether it's uh, TV shows, uh, music. I know how Brother Scotty feels about the music. Uh, we'll get into a... Uh, we may dive off into that a little bit, but I want to go back a little bit back to this marijuana because with this legalization that they're trying to, uh, that's trying to happen. They also are putting out the propaganda not to legalize it. And here's one of those instances. Uh, this popped up uh, Friday, June the 7th, uh, 2019. And this comes from newschannel9.com. Uh, Louisiana coroner claims first case of THC overdose death. Others doubting finding. A coroner in Louisiana claims, based on autopsy results, a woman in the state could be the first person to die from a THC overdose. The main ingredient of cannabis, the St. John, <clears throat> the St. John, the Baptist coroner told the New Orleans advocate. The 39-year-old woman showed she was killed by an excess of THC. The coroner claims there were no signs of disease or intoxication, which could have led to the death other than THC, and it could be the first death as a result of overdosing on the compound. However, some officials are casting doubt on the belief. <clears throat> a former senior policy advisor with the White House Office of National Drug Control Policy told the advocate, given the quote-unquote billions of times cannabis is used each year, it's unlikely the woman died from a THC overdose. The policy advisor also said, it is a common mistake when coroners don't find other signs of death, meaning that this is not the first time that this diagnosis has been reached for some odd reason, right now is the first time they have decided to make it public. Uh, and I read, I read into everything. It could be something that we shouldn't be paying attention to, but be on the lookout for these. Uh, I, I, I believe there will be a lot more bombardment of these uh, anti-marijuana uh, laws and propaganda coming. So pay attention to that because it's going to be just what we're talking about tonight. It's going to be repetitive and it's probably going to be focused to your particular area. You're not going to see the same thing on like a nationwide channel. They're going to have things particular to your area. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, we also have another uh, border issue and this comes from uh, newsweek.com. Let me pull this up for y'all. And once again, all of these stories could be found in BTR community up under uh, Real Life, the radio show. $24 a year, $2 a month. That will help a long way to, uh, to keeping these type of programs up and running to give you the news that we believe should be important to you. Uh, let's get into this article. Uh, why are hundreds of African asylum seekers showing up at the U.S.-Mexico border? border? Border Patrol agents have seen a dramatic rise, quote-unquote, in the number of African immigrants 
detained at the U.S.-Mexico border over the past week. The U.S. Customs and Borders Protection Agency said in a statement on Wednesday, C CBP said that in six days since May the 30th, more than 500 people from African countries have been arrested by border control, their Rio sector in Texas alone. The agency said that the agency said that had arrested a group of 34 people that same day and had previously detained a number of large groups caught crossing the crossing the Rio Rio Grande River, the Rio Grande River, including one group of more than 100 people. CBP said the majority of the group's members had been families coming from the Republic of Congo, the the Democratic Republic of, of the Congo, and Angola. In addition to being the battlefield for one of the world's bloodiest civil wars, the, the DRC has also been hit by one of the biggest Ebola outbreaks in history, with more than 2,000 cases reported in the last 10 months. In neighboring Angola, much of the country is still struggling to recover from the impacts of the civil war that raged across the country for 27 years after independence, leaving hundreds of thousands dead. It is unclear what route immigrants are taking from African countries. However, in recent interviews with NPR, African immigrants said they had traveled from their home countries to Brazil before heading north towards the U.S.-Mexico border, a journey that will likely take several months. In recent months, CBP has struggled to keep up with the growing number of immigrants and asylum seekers arriving at the U.S. border, with the majority of asylum seekers coming from Central American countries, including Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. In May, a record 144,278 immigrants arrived at the southern border, with more than 100,000 being families and children. Meanwhile, agents with their Rio's border control sector have apprehended more than 33,000 people at the border so far this year, already more than double the number of arrests made during the previous fiscal year, according to C CBP. So we have, uh, I'm not sure if everyone knows, but uh, throughout Black Talk Radio, there have been several different uh, podcasts addressing the uh, terrorism that's going on over in these African countries, sometimes by uh, by Americans, other times by uh, Chinese, Russian, and uh, Islamic groups. Uh, of course, we know they still are, have people in, are selling slaves. Excuse me, they have people in slavery and are selling slaves currently. <clears throat> so it's a number of things for these immigrants to be running from. A lot of them caused by the United States, either directly or indirectly. So when you see these things, they, they put it out there to make you have no sympathy. And the shameful part is that it's a lot of us that follow right in suit. We have no sympathy for our brothers and sisters across the water. Proof be told, a lot of us don't have sympathy for each other something that we got to work on but i've said all of that to say this when you see these things talk with your family uh because these things are going to start popping up on the news on a regular basis and the same questions that your children 
nieces, nephews, and even some of your more uh, incompetent older relatives, they're going to ask you, because a lot of people that listen to these shows tend to be the people that inform their own families. So what happens is, is that your family comes to you when they have questions. So be weary of that and make sure that you don't uh, cause no fear mongering, no more than we already have with the uh, with the immigrants here. Because we do know, especially in today's climate, with the uh, with the Aboriginal uh, versus African talk, there has been a lot of disrespect, and just just knowing us, that disrespect turns violent when met in person. So if we can't agree on anything one of the things we should be able to agree on is black self-respect. Just respect your fellow black sister or brother. You don't have to agree on everything. You don't have to agree on nothing. You can agree not to talk to each other. If that's the only thing that you agree on, you have made one step further in this fight against white supremacy because it's always some eyes watching us and the only thing that you will be doing is entertaining some suspected racist, whether you know it or not. Uh, did you have something you wanted to add, uh, Brother Scotty? Yes. Okay, I uh, thought I heard something. Go ahead, sir. It's not the disrespect towards African descendant people. It's not just coming from the uh, copper-colored Aborigines who denied that they have any ties to Africa or that they are indigenous uh, to North America, but it's also coming from ADOS um, that that hashtag. Because uh, far as I know, they're not an organization, and and they're just an online-based movement, and they've been very disrespectful towards these immigrants, and it's particularly Africans, and and you know just a lot of vitriol and and what have you. But in terms of repetitiveness, now, when you said that, to give examples of that, I was thinking Aborigines and and the Africans and and all of that. Um, We keep seeing repetitively them producing propaganda. Um, Mm -hmm. Rod caught caught one, and I shared it, you know, outside of BTR community where they took an old photograph. It wasn't even a photograph. It was a painting. Um, took a painting from the National Geographic website and then uh, made a meme out of it saying, you know, this was between Zulu warriors and the British. You know, one of the most famous battles between black people and white supremacists on the continent of Africa where, you know, in that battle, the Africans won. All right, so they're going to take that that painting, the, the you know, the little picture of the painting and what have you, and say, this is an old photograph from uh, colonial settlers fighting uh, American Indians, and notice they not white. You know, and and so it's, it's like what you have wrote. You just keep repeating the same bull crap over and over and over and over, and it becomes truth to some people, even though there's no truth to it. And and so you know that that just that just really uh, disgusts me as an Afro descended person. So I, I think I don't know is that a good example of repetitiveness becoming the truth? 
Yes, yeah, most most definitely. Uh, let's let's go ahead and and start discussing that because that's been that's been ringing my head uh, a little bit too. Uh, and I don't I don't have no problem with with what nobody uh, believes. All I ask is that I'm I'm still learning. So when you are giving me information, especially when you're holding yourself as an authority, I expect for you to have uh, some type of knowledge on the subject. And what we tend to have, especially with the freedom that that we all have with Facebook, Twitter, uh, I, I'm not, I can't remember all of the ones that they have, but Instagram and all of that, we have the freedom to say whatever we want. And, uh, you know, we did several shows about uh, confirmation bias, and that's all it is. You you find something, especially when you're dealing with uh, when you're dealing with stress and depression. I think I think it's a lot more of us dealing with depression than they than we care to uh, admit to. Because what happens when you when you're dealing with depression, you you exhibit certain type of qualities, and one of those qualities is it, if it doesn't go your way, you you throw tantrums. And this is some of the things that these people do. Now, I agree with some of the things that they say. And uh, br- brother Scotty, you you know me, and you done had conversations. What what my what my what my problem is with it is that just because this part is just because one part of it is correct doesn't always necessarily make this other part of it incorrect and for whatever reason we as a community have a hard problem thinking of things in complex situations it's either what i see or it's nothing at all and uh I was explaining this to my son. My son is seven. He's one of five. He's the only boy I have. And this is what I was trying to explain to him. He was asking me about, uh, he overheard me talking to, uh, it it doesn't matter. He overheard me talking on the phone. And uh, I was explaining a perception of truth. So I was talking about uh, a box. And when I got off the phone, he was like, Dad, what do you mean a perception of truth? So, and I'm going to tell him exactly what I told y'all. And if I would love some feedback, because if I'm incorrect, then I need to figure it out and be able to uh, go correct that with my son, because he's a sponge even more so than I am. And I don't want to be sharing the wrong information with him, just like I don't want to share the wrong information with y'all, not on purpose anyway. But this is what I told him. Take the truth and you look at it like a cube. So you have six sides. You have six sides of a cube and that one cube represents the truth. Now, depending on what side of that cube you're looking from, you will have a different version of the truth. So what's, what will happen is that you will have the version of the person of looking through your own eyes and then you will have a version of somebody off at another distance looking at the same event and nobody ever has the same recollection of what happened that's because you can't see the you can't see the whole thing while you're right there on it uh, my my father says it's you can't see the forest for looking at the trees or you can't see the trees for looking at the forest or something like that 
But what it is is that you think whatever your perception of it is, it's the only way it is. And that's the end all be all. And a lot of us take this, uh, we take this approach to too many things in life. And I think that's a great place to start with our healing process is to be able to look at what somebody else says, not necessarily as right, but it's what they perceive as right. And once y'all are on the same page, as far as y'all conversation, then you can make some headway. But until you understand what the person that you're talking to is referring to, if y'all are not on the same page, you can never solve a problem because y'all are not talking about the same issues. Now, if I'm wrong, again, that number is 719-284-5271. And the pen is 706-37. And I believe it's uh, star 61 to open your mic up if you have a question or comment. And I welcome all calls. I never uh, presume to be right. Once again, I'm I am still learning. But continuing on with this, I'm not sure how many of y'all have uh, on this next story. It has been in the uh, social media. Once again, very very uh, repetitive. <clears throat> the Netflix uh, show about the uh, Central Park Five, and I really wish Rise would have been here for this because. He has a direct contact with this particular story. But we have another victim. Brothers and sisters, we have another victim. The prosecutor from that uh from that case. They are going after her as they should. As they should. As we should. What do I what am I saying? We all should be going after her, whether it's on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, whatever medium that you have. But let's get into this story because as all, not as all, but as most suspects do, when they get caught doing something, they play innocent. They play innocent. <laughs> but it's, it's, <clears throat> we're going to get to the innocent part first, but we're going to talk about how what happened when I say she got caught. Now, this comes from AtlantaBlackStar.com, uh, and this came out today. And another one, Central Park Fire prosecutor uh, Linda Fairstein dropped by book publisher. Linda Fairstein's book, you know what? I'm not, if you want to see that, it's in the, it's in the uh, thread. I'm not even going to go on there, but I'm, I was just so ecstatic that she lost some kind of revenue. I, I was just happy because after all, Central Park Five is <laughs> by no means the only innocent black man that she have railroaded in New York. And me personally, not only would I be calling and I am calling for her, but we need to find out all, all of our hacker people, <clears throat> excuse me, not hackers, but all of our research people that, uh, they can find out the dirt on anybody. You need to find out who her uh who her circle is. Because if she was she's not the only one, there's no way in this world you can make me believe that she done all of this corrupt. She was this corrupt and didn't either learn it from somebody or pass it on. Which means that whoever she went to school with or whoever was uh 
interning up under her, took those same practices elsewhere. Now, we know every year there's hundreds, well, excuse me, not hundreds, but there's there's quite a few. I don't I don't have the direct number, so I'm not gonna give a direct number, but there are quite a few people, especially black men and women, that get out of jail after serving several years in prison because they was wrongly convicted. She didn't do all of those. So while we're calling in uh, all of the cases that she have uh, presided over, we need to be doing the same thing to all of their colleagues. Because just because you take one out the loop stops nothing in the system. Just like in basketball. I don't know why I keep having these basketball references, but it's always the next man or the next woman up. And sometimes the next person up is is so much worse than the person that we just got rid of. But, you know, those are the things that we have to, uh, those are the double standards that we have to deal with being uh, black men and women in this country. But with that, I have one more story that I would like to, uh, that I would like to go over. And I said this from the get go when I first seen this, and this is, I'm not a big fan of uh, Black Lives Matter because of uh, the underlying, the underlying agenda that comes with that, the original uh, group. Now we have a lot of splinter cell groups that call themselves Black Lives Matter. And I'm not going to go into the reasons because that's not the subject right now, but uh, this comes from the root.com. The FBI admits Black Lives Matter was never a threat. It's white people you should be worried about. Now, most of us knew that. And I'm sure that a lot of, uh, I'm sure that that everybody knows that. It's the same thing with this uh, BIE. That's not an actual law, but it is a law. You know, you, I, I still haven't figured out how that works. It's not actually on the books, but people, you know, they, they arrested, uh, I can't call his name right now, but they arrested a man off uh, solely based on uh, black identity extremists. And although he got out, they put a, they, they really punished him for time by holding him in jail for any amount of time is too much. Don't matter how long he was in there, but he didn't just go in and get out. So we have to stay on these people and make sure that, uh, that they live up to these laws that they print. If we don't say nothing, won't nothing ever happen. It goes, it goes all the way back to me talking to Scotty about what our forefathers have left for us, whether you like what they've done or not. You cannot negate the fact that some of the foolishness that we have done or that we are still doing would have got us murdered back in those times. And if you don't like the fact that you could have a second chance, there's something wrong with you. Regardless of how you think you would have done it if you was there, that's all that is. It's a theory. It's a, it's a theory. And I think we need to quit living in theories and deal with this present because this present is what's killing us right now. And with that, if I have no... uh. No callers or uh, nobody wants to uh, chime in. I'm going to go ahead on and get on off of here for the night. We're going to end a little early. I appreciate y'all staying here with me.
I do have something. Oh, go ahead, brother Scott. Your son and the cube and the six sides of the truth. Uh, I have a different perspective, and my perspective is there's only one truth. Now, there may be different ways to get to that truth, but there's only one truth. And I'm going to use the 13th Amendment as an example. 13th Amendment says involuntary servitude and slavery and involuntary servitude shall be abolished except as punishment for crime, whereas the person has been convicted. Now, because of propaganda, most people's perspective in the world, not just the United States, is that the United States had a civil war that ended slavery. And when I read the 13th Amendment, it says something else. Both cannot be true. They can't have abolished slavery and then make exceptions for it. Now, some people might say, well, they abolished it to where you wasn't on the plantation no more, and they just moved it to the prison. Well, does it still exist? Does slavery still exist just in a different form? Reading the 13th Amendment, the, question, the, the answer has to be yes. There is no variation, no no's or maybes or nothing like The 13th Amendment is very clear in, in its language, except for punishment for crime. So people, people can arrive to that truth through different means, whether it's listening to uh, New Abolitionist Radio, whether they came across the 13th Amendment, maybe some teacher actually showed it to them and told them that it, it, that's, that's one truth. There is no other version of the truth of, of the matter of if the United States about slavery or not. So, you know, we, we, that's just my perspective. You know, there are different avenues to arrive at the truth, but there's only one truth. Um, the way the things that I was getting from you, the way you were describing it is depending upon the source of the information and how the information is colored, you know, and what I mean by that is how it's framed and how it's presented or whatnot, then, you know, uh, people will be believing something's true when it's not true. It, it, it's not true. That's why con men are so good at their game. It's a profession because people can make you believe certain things are true and, and they're not true. Um, taking it back to the African thing, you know, Aborigine thing. Um, you know, right before you came on air, I tuned into the station, and, and so you hadn't, you know, started the stream up. So I was listening to Malcolm X talking about how they came over on the Mayflower and we came over in chains on the slave ship from Africa. Now, these same Aborigine people I have been on their websites, <laughs> and they take a clip of Malcolm X from a speech. They take 30 seconds from it where he say that Plymouth Rock didn't land on you and, or, or, or yeah, you know, you didn't land on Plymouth Rock, Plymouth Rock land on you. You and I are Aborigine. But if you listen to the rest of it, he means it in terms of the original man on earth, the first man, the first modern man coming out of Africa. Now in that clip I heard before you came, came live on your station, now clearly stated, that we were brought. And so, but people took that clip of Malcolm X because he's a very respected man, very well known, took that clip, put it in a presentation, and now people are, are believing that Malcolm X believed the same thing, you know, that we're not from Africa. 
and and so that's just simply not true. I I hope I was able to. Uh, I was yeah. kind of blending over my thoughts, so I hope I made myself uh you know uh, clear. No, I I understood exactly what you're saying. You you was uh, just to sum it up. You were saying that. <clears throat> just to sum it up, you were saying that there's only one truth. Now you could see it how you want to see it, but there's only one truth. Now just to shorten it up, is that correct? Yes, that that that's correct. Either slavery exists or it don't. Okay, well here, this is this is what I mean when I say uh I what I don't say is that it's uh it's six truths. I'm saying it's it's six sides to the cube. So depending on what particular uh point you're looking at this truth from, you will get something different. Uh like you, for instance, it's people that although you could read the 13th Amendment right to them they still can't see where slavery is still there. It's not that you're wrong. They just don't see it, right? They they just, it's not in their perception and that their perception has already been, uh, it's already been molded by all of the other propaganda because they're going off of what they hear versus what they're seeing on the paper. So it, So right then in that particular instance, you was describing exactly what I was saying about the uh the six different viewpoints when you're trying to look at the truth you got you who have been who is just looking at the words of the constitution and you are gaining an understanding from that and you can have somebody right next to you looking at the same words but because their brain has been hijacked they still see those words saying that there is slavery has been abolished and there's nothing that you could tell them any different what I'm saying is, is that, and what I'm teaching my son, what I'm teaching, I, I see you, Miss Sharon, and I'm, I'm not going, I'm not going to forget you. <laughs> We're going to right through. So give me, give me a second. Uh, what I was saying is what I'm teaching my son to do, Scotty, uh, and that's to be able to recognize when somebody else is talking about the subject that you're talking about but they're talking about something different that's when you have to go to them to make sure that y'all are on the same page because no matter how long you argue well i'm not gonna say argue but no matter how long you debate somebody who just refuses to acknowledge that uh the exception clause in the 13th amendment if they don't acknowledge that no matter how long you talk to them about the 13th amendment they just not going to see it i understand what you, what what you're saying again it's because their perception has been colored right by whatever the color the side of the cube they was looking through you know you look at the rubik's cube it's different colors and whatnot right so, you know in, in their case they have had a lifetime of teachers in 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 the school system telling them slavery was abolished, Lincoln freed the slaves. They've had a lifetime of movies telling them, you know, that slavery has been abolished. Yeah. So yeah, I, I feel you. I understand better now. No worries. No worries. That's what we're here for. I'm, I, I try not to uh, give out no disinformation. And, and of course, all the time, <laughs> correct me. Uh, Miss Sharon, greetings. How are you doing this evening? Greetings. Hi, Scotty. Now, what topic are you on? Hi, Sharon. Uh, we on... Uh, Did you cover... You covered Eidos. You had a brother, Cujo? Someone? Uh, 
Yeah, I, yeah, I see Brother Cujo. He, he's just listening right now, though. Oh, he yeah, he was sort of earlier. Okay, greetings, Brother Cujo. <laughs> well, when you were speaking on the um, Patreon thing, you know, I'm so sorry for that. You know, I will continue to support you, but I think when you look at a segment of our people, you have to look at what do they value in their life? Do they value education? Do they value um, CDs? Do they value sneakers? Do they value trying to keep the front of their properties clean and, you know, well-kept? What do they value? And I, I think that dichotomy of colonialism has made them think that this should be freely given to them. Hold on, Ms. Sharon. What, what do you mean? What should be freely given to them? The station. Okay. Black oh, Talk Radio. Oh. <laughs> okay. I, I just needed a little clarification. Go ahead. Okay. Well, did you mention about Patreon earlier? Uh, no, we didn't uh, discuss Patreon. We were just talking okay, that's about... Okay, why uh, I asked what topic are, are you on. I heard, I mean... Okay, this is what we had. Uh, I, I can Malcolm run. Malcolm Yes, ma'am. The documentary. We talk. No, we didn't talk about Mac, the documentary. We talked <laughs> about uh, people uh, cutting and pasting uh, speeches from Malcolm X to create a narrative that fits their agenda. Now, this could be uh, uh, oh, well, specifically yeah. about uh, about abor- some Aboriginal. Uh, youtubers who was uh doing that but it's not just them we have um you have black you have regular black people who don't believe that uh ados who who do the same thing it's just all about um like i said we're living in an attention economy so what's what's grabbing the most attention it's race whether we're talking about race porn or that new term that i made up earlier this evening uh brutal porn brutality porn you know we we look for these type of things and then we'll swell up and down that we don't enjoy it we just want to see what happened but you don't you know you don't continue to go back to the same things if you uh if you don't enjoy it you know and that, yeah, well, that could be a bad I agree. what happened <laughs> the, degrega- the degradation of of you know where we're proceeding it's definitely going a little downward um did you talk about this young lady that was beat from a, a store owner? I haven't come across that one, Miss Sharon. Please. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Do Do you have that in front of you? No, no. I was. I I did hear about the Ados. <sighs> I did hear uh, Brother Scotty bring that up, but yeah. But know. tonight we was just uh, recounting uh, different different ways that repetitiveness uh have changed truths in our present lives and we we could talk about uh we could talk about the present well uh that's one of the reasons why you hear your uh your president always say believe me <laughs> he repeat that so many times is it they have people have begun to believe him although all of the policies that he's claiming to put in place most of them was in place prior to his uh inauguration yet yeah. he he still gets believed because he repeats this 
on a regular basis. I mean, same things with the news outlets. That's why we see the same things always going on across the nation. You, you see the same stories. And it's gotten so bad that people have even uh, created news clips to show these different people in different uh, states and counties all reporting the same thing the same way. Because repetitiveness, in order to get something in your head, we as human beings have to do it over and over and over again. That's why we are so hung up on practice in whatever we're doing, whether we're talking about sports, whether we're talking about education, whether we're talking about politics, whatever avenue in the uh, people area activity that you do, we have to practice to become good, correct? That's the competitiveness, but when we talk about this from a psychological standpoint, we get bombarded with, like Scotty said, movies, uh, radio, uh, music, uh, and then we have uh, we we have dumb people that we uh, that we have in our circles too. Now I'm not saying, and some of y'all know whether it's a relative or a friend, you know, everything that they say is always wrong. <clears throat> Now, I'm not telling you to get rid of those people. As a matter of fact, when you have those people in your circle, this is what I do. Because I have family members like that as well. Now, this could be wrong. And I did a lot of wrong when I was coming up growing. So this could be something that I need to get rid of. But when I find people like that, I don't necessarily get rid of them. Because there is a use for those people. If it's nothing (laughs) to attract the other people that you don't need around you. Because if you if you love this person that's always wrong, you love them, you put up with uh whatever their uh their faults are, the same way that they put up with your faults. But when you find somebody that constantly agrees with your cousin or your friend that's constantly wrong, then you know you found you another one. You, you see, you see yeah. what I mean? You use yeah. you use them in that manner to where that way you can still love your friend or your or your cousin or, or your whoever that person is that you're not going to get rid of. But you can also allow them to detect other people who mean you no good because they have bad information also. And you don't want to have a whole group giving you bad information. So you 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 keep some of those people around just to be able to detect other people like them. So, you know, you just have to be able to use the resources that you have. And I think a lot of us don't realize the different resources, whether it's people, uh, the time that you have. Uh, a simple change in schedule could mean a lot. Uh, some of us are night owls. And just an hour extra of sleep would do us so great. But we don't do it because we don't want to. And then once we get up in age, we think back on those times and then we wonder why some of us look the way we look. We just decided not to take care of ourselves. It was, it was funner to be out mistreating our bodies. Now, excuse me, while I'm saying this, I'm I'm not clamming down on anybody. I make these suggestions based off of the, uh, the way that I used to live my life and the things that I corrected. So I'm speaking your truth. You don't have to apologize for that. No one should. Some some people take these uh take these comments as an attack as if I'm uh speaking specific specifically to someone. But what I do is that I know it's a lot of people that's out there that's like me. 
So I described some of the uh, some of the things that I used to be insecure about that will make me uh, make certain decisions. But since I went through that process, I dealt with the pain that I caused. I could point those out in other scenarios and it tend to hit people a particular type of way, not because I know so many different things, but just because I've experienced things that other people have also uh, experienced. They just don't want to let this be known publicly. Does that make sense? It makes sense. It makes all the sense in the world. But it seems uh, if you don't, if you have another, it seems like we got another caller. So give me a second, Miss Sharon, and I come okay. back. Okay, certainly. Brother Cujo, how are you this evening? Caller, your mic is open. Is that Brother Cujo? Yes, sir. I'm right here, man. Okay, go I, ahead. How you doing this evening? I'm good, man. I just finished moving, so I've been real busy. You know, if anybody's on there, you know how moving is, unpacking, yeah. and packing, and all that stuff. Man. It's just been real hectic. Congratulations. So I was up. Thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. So I've just been offline for some time trying to keep up with uh, Black, Black Talk Radio and as, as, you know, as best as I can. So that's why I was tuning in. I was just listening for a minute. Uh, I appreciated Ms. Sharon calling me out there. Um, <laughs> it, I, look, I, looked at, um, I looked at two things, actually. I looked at um, the Central Park Five documentary that was done by Ken Burns and Sarah Burns, his daughter. And um, in that documentary, it's probably like, I'll give you maybe, and I'm being generous, maybe there was one minute out of that like hour and a half of conversation and where they said, this is the act of racism, white supremacy. And that in the middle of that whole fiasco of the, uh, the Central Park Five case, there was a woman, a black woman that was raped on a roof in Brooklyn and then thrown off the roof. And that case got little to no light at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the same time, also, and this is something in the documentary, I hope I'm not spoiling it for anybody. Also in the documentary, they pointed out that the lady, the man that actually did the raping, Mateos, he actually went on to rape other people and was caught in the middle of the whole Central Park Five thing. And they found his DNA. They know his DNA match. And he basically not only raped other people, other women, but he killed another right. woman, a woman as well in the process. So the, the man, well, when, well, when I watched him. Hold on, Kujo, because you're leaving out one important stressor. Because you stated that uh, they, found this, uh, they found this DNA from the jump. That, that the DNA was there from the jump. That's the DNA that they found. But even yep. with that, they still didn't go. The reason they found out that he was the murderer is because they came to him for some other murders. I mean, not murders, but some other rapes that he confessed yes. to. And he confessed to the uh, Central Park Five just because. Yes, yes, correct. He didn't even do that because they came to him. He right. did it out of his own will after meeting up with uh, Corey Wise, who was still locked up. And the thing about it that was 
that was real that was real is that throughout that whole documentary, they barely ever mentioned that it was an act of racism, white supremacy. Barely ever. I'm talking like maybe one minute there was a comment by Cal, Reverend Calvin Butts and a sister from the Daily News that pointed it out and they gave them each maybe maybe 30 seconds and the whole rest of the documentary is just talking about how this happened, how that happened and now dealing with the racist aspect of it is the fact that they're upset because it was an interracial rape. And I'll tell you, as far as what those, those brothers were doing back then, when I looked at that now and I realized I said, holy crap, that could have been me easily because that was exactly what, what, was, what we used to call it, wilding out. You go to the park and you just wild out. In Brooklyn, it was Prospect Park where we, there would be a hill, and I wish, I wish Ross was on the line for this, like there was a hill, there is a hill in Prospect Park that even if you're on a bike, you could try to pedal as hard as you want. You're going slow. And people used to come out of the bushes, kick you off the bike and run the other direction or rob you and then jump on your bike and run the other direction, whatever it was. But things like that just were the norm and people knew not to go in the yeah, people knew not to go to those parks at certain at certain time unless you were ready or you were looking for trouble. You yeah. know, but um and but that was actually a norm. Um wilding out was actually a norm, but it was never violent to that degree. I don't recall any other instance that was as violent to that degree, like where they were claiming that these young men raped somebody. And um I, I really took a I took a step back, and I had to show some of the video to my son because he's twelve, but he looks like he's sixteen. Right. So and I and I and and I think it's very important that and 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 look, there's a lot of black misandry in it. It's, it's difficult to watch. It's tough to watch, but I put it and I I let my son watch the the movie the miniseries one episode, and let him see how the children were taken away from their families their rights, they didn't know their rights. So they sat there talking to the police officers, waving the the lawyer and everything else because they had no idea. And these were things that I sat down with my son at 12 and said, this is what you may have to run into. You know, I had to be honest with him because you may, he may have to run into this at one point or another where they'll scoop him up off the street Say he did this, that, and the third. He doesn't have to answer anything because he's underage. He's not an adult. And even if he chooses to, he would like to have a lawyer. Read the fifth. And and that's one of the things that I kind of use the movie as like a tool to educate my son because it's not like these things have stopped in our community. They still go on. You know, I was a victim of it too at at 30, 30 years old. So I know that it's still possible for it to happen to a young child. But um, that's something I wanted to drop as, as far as that, uh, the Central Park Five, I felt like it was very important, very important. Yeah, thank um, you. I commend you for educating your son to the process, Brother Cujo. You know, when it comes to our children, they are treated in a manner way beyond their chronological age. And that's a detriment right there and an injustice. And you and are correct. Male and female children. You know what, though, Miss Sharon? 
with that being the case, um, we we done a show here uh, talking specifically to what Cujo was talking about. What age? Because once you start talking to your children about these type of things, you you strip away their, their childhood, regardless of how you see it. Because when they see exactly what you're talking about, they can't go back to the innocent eyes no more. So it's up to you to decide when you want to share this truth with them, because it will change the way that they uh, maneuver through this uh, through this life that they have. Because now they see a different world than what they seen the, the previous day before this information was exposed. So be careful about uh I particularly have do it early to to my children. <clears throat> but you know, every everybody's not uh I don't want to say I don't want to use the word secure, but everybody doesn't feel that their children needs to know these type of things just yet. I can't Well, I beg to differ because you know, nature versus nurture. This is the society that we are living in. And I, I, you know, think a parent should engage that conversation. Well, I, I and, agree. Uh, you know, you can uh, step up your game in nurturing, but you have to make them aware because we see it all the time. I mean, I, I see it on TV, you know, our young, our children, they don't see them as we do. They see them the way they see us. They're just maybe smaller in stature, but they see them as a possible threat, a future threat. And so I just, you know, believe in being very realistic. You know, I, uh, our, my grandsons are prepared. It, it, it is what it is. Well, Miss Sharon, you know, uh, we are getting down to the, uh, to the bottom of the hour. Sure. We, uh, this is, this is what I want to leave with. It's just like I was telling Scotty, uh, and everyone who comes across this podcast, uh, hopefully there was some, uh, some there was some uh useful information in here for for some of you all of you hopefully but just like i was telling scotty earlier it's like looking at that that truth uh it's like looking at that truth uh, box you know you it i commend you for doing that with your with your children to have them doing that to their children. But we also have to recognize that it's a lot of us who don't do this at all. So when you, when you come into contact with these brothers and sisters, though, you can't belittle You can't belittle them because of what they haven't started to do. Because no, you can't. No, they may not know. And depending on who you are, you might not be the person to tell them. What I mean by that is that some of us have particular types of demeanors. And we could mean we could mean well, but the way we give off the information could be detrimental for the person that we're trying to get to receive it. So, you know, these are just things about knowing how you yourself operate, how you talk, your uh your body language, uh mannerisms. You know what I'm saying? Be weary of that when you're coming across somebody who's who's new to this information, because this information is scary. 
just truth be told if you're somebody who've never come across this information before and then you start just getting uh you you find somebody that starts sending you article after article it makes you upset it makes you angry and everybody doesn't have the willpower to control themselves so you know we have to take our time uh give this information out in doses and try to make sure that everyone who we give this information to knows this is this is not you to hate anybody this is just so that you know what's going on so that you know what's going on and why you're in a situation that you're in and what are the circumstances of those situations because you are a black person here in america so uh before we go I think your your platform does a very good job of that jenna excuse really. me ma'am? your platform does a very good job at that it gives it out in a very measured and and caring manner you don't cross any lines you know i i may be new to some of this with the platforms and all but I do pick and choose, and I find your platform, Scotty's platform, your platform, Brother Ross, I find it unique because you strive to do that. Guess what you have espoused? You do that. And, I'm, you know, I know it's just me, but, you know, keep it real. And, and you are you, without harm, you know, without attack without judgment and you know you're leading by example and you know basically your platform is is gentle i find it very relaxing the community so you know pat yourself on the back you, you know you are doing it i know this brother Kujo. i can hear it in him you're doing a good job well, thank you, Miss Sharon. And it, it does mean a lot because uh, <laughs> you would not believe the uh, distress and distress from Im- states. So, and just to, to hear you say that out loud, it it, it is it's heartwarming. And, and I, I can I, imagine. I appreciate that. You know, and people, you know, sometimes leading by example doesn't always work. Sometimes uh, it's it, you can find a way to engage something, and you know you'll be able to reel the per- person in, or the parties, or the people. And you you spoke on that uh, concerning some of your colleagues. So there's many ways I use to try to get a person to come around, as you said. And all those tools are very good. And, you know, you have a, you have a desire to, to, to excel at whatever you put your hand at. And you have a, a quiet intolerance. Don't lose any of that. That's, Don't that's, lose it. Okay. That's, I know you have to go. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> but thank you, Miss Sharon. Uh, okay. Brother, uh, brother Cujo, did you? Yes, and, sir. Did you end it, uh, brother Scotty? If you're still there, uh, if you have something you wanted to add before we get out of here, your mic is open. 
uh, it's just good being being uh, being able to, to have this open platform. I think the dialogue is important because we don't. I mean, look, we just don't do each other justice. We are very hard on each other as non-white people, especially black people. And the funny thing is, everybody else out there that's not black is hard on us. <laughs> so the last, so the last thing we need to do is beat each other up. We need to keep keep making sure we keep communicating in in the in the in the virtual form as well as in the physical when we see each other on the street, even if it's just a regular head nod. Black self respect. Just that. What's up? I say it's black oh, yes, self respect. Yes, yes, sir. I, I agree. Yes, sir. And thank you, sir. Thank you. It's good to hear from you again. We uh Ross had told me uh he had told me a few things. So once again, congratulations. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you, thank you. Uh brother Scotty, hopefully I get I get with you later on, Kujo. Brother Scotty, thank you for uh for one, first and foremost, for creating this for us to have these dialogues. It's like uh it's therapy, man. It's, that's 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 what it is. It's therapy for all of the problems that we can't get out, that we sometimes can't talk to our, uh, we can't always talk to our uh, spouses or our girlfriends or our boyfriends about it. We can't always talk to our mothers or our cousins or our children about it. But you have created a space for those of us who are eager to uh, solve this problem to be able to discuss it openly without refrain. So I thank you, sir. Do you have anything that you would like to say before we end this uh, episode tonight? Um, No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, I don't have anything to add, but, you know, I just appreciate uh, people taking advantage of the platform of being here, you know, for the purposes that uh, people find it to be constructive in their lives. So, you know, it, it would be a waste if I built something and nobody used it. So thank you for using us. Well, brother Scotty, man, I, I love you, man. I love you. So, and I can't wait for uh, BTI News to kick back off. I always look forward to your, uh, to what you bring to the table is, it's just wonderful to be around a lot of like-minded people with, with the same goal. Now, we may not have the same avenues that we choose to go through to make these things happen, but hey, we all don't, all of us don't like hamburgers either. You know, some of us don't like uh, vegetables. Why am I bringing this up? Because we are complex people. We're not going to agree with everything that we do. As long as we have one particular goal in sight and the other things are not so big that they would deter us from that, hey, everybody has to make a compromise. Most of us doing it right now because we got to go to work tomorrow. That's your compromise. You compromise your time for a check every week or two weeks or, or once a month or however it works for you. That's your compromise. Give a little bit of that compromise to your fellow black brother or sister out on the street. Sometimes it's all love. Sometimes it is. But just the look that we approach somebody with could change that in a heartbeat. So with that being said, 
I will end this conference. Uh, thank y'all for joining me tonight. It has been a wonderful, uh, a wonderful day. I wish my brother rise the best. I know he, me and him going to get together tomorrow and discuss some of this. So uh, that being said, peace and love y'all. And we'll see y'all next week. I think before I go, one more thing. I believe that we will be here Friday afternoon. Uh, check BTR Community, uh, Real Life the Radio Show, and I'll put it up on Foundational Radio Show, and I'm sure Roz will, because uh, he has an email list. So I'm sure that he will send that out, but I'm thinking that we'll have that coming up Friday because he could not make it tonight. So we may be continuing this conversation with that being said love you all peace and good night and we'll see you next week peace